Well, good morning. Thank you, worship team. What a what a great God we serve. It's it's so easy to sing praises to Him because He deserves them all. He's He He wants us to to have fellowship with Him, and He desires for us to worship Him, and and that makes it easy. It should be simple. We should be able to come in here with the great big smile on our face every time we worship our Creator and King. So what a what a great opportunity to do that. Let's pray, Lord. We know that you have made us for yourself. We know that you have given us your word so that we can study and learn and know you. And Lord, we know that you bring it to us in so many different forms, in the worship songs we sing, with the message. Lord, with the Sunday school teachers in class. As we have, we have a time in sharing and prayer, Lord, all of those are about worshiping you. And getting to know you better. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that. Lord, open our hearts and, and meet us where we are. So that we might know you better. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Genesis, what a wonderful book of the Bible to study. What a, what a great opportunity to, to get to know more of God. We, we talk about him in the New Testament. And we talk about the the new covenant and we talk about salvation and all of that that brings there but what better way to know the god that offers all of that to us than to dive into genesis and see where it began and what he did so today we're we're finishing up day seven right so so dan and chris have gone through the first six days of creation and and i get the privilege of of opening the word here starting in genesis chapter two and we bring it to completion now. Some really critical parts in these three verses that we're going to read that I think we really can help us to understand where God was taking us. Let's read them and then we'll see what he has to teach us. Thus in the heavens and the earth were completed and all their host. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rests from all his work, which God had created and made. I really believe God's trying to tell us something pretty important here. You know, if we're going to ever teach something, we, we like to hit the points, the main points, over and over and over so you get them, right? Most of the time, we're not so good at picking things up the first time around. So we get it over and over and over. How many did times did God say, I am now done with creation? Four times. Four times in those three verses, he says, it's complete. There's no more to do with creating the creation. The creation is now complete. No more need for, for various mutations or other things that might go with this. He has proclaimed it done. We know in verse 31 of chapter 1, he was not only pleased with what he was, had done, but he said it was very good. It's very good what we've created. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's very good what we have done. Now, it is complete. The heavens and the earth are done, and all their host, it's finished. What a great thing. What an exciting moment. Can you imagine being there to witness that? To watch God sit back, stand back, kind of cross his arms and say, that's good. No, that's very good. 
and it's now done. And what a beautiful thing. It's completed, and it reminds us of something. It reminds me of something as God talks about this day seven. As he, as Moses is writing here, and the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their host, and it was done, and it was done, and it was done. It's like Christ's death on the cross for us. You realize it happened, and it was done. It was complete. We're celebrating Easter in a couple of weeks. We're celebrating the death and resurrection of our Savior. And when Christ hung on that cross, and then on the third day rose again, He echoed God's words. In the creation. And he said, now it is done. You can't add to what I've just accomplished. You can't make any more. It's done. It's there. It is finished. What a beautiful picture of that. The beginning of creation and the beginning of salvation. They all they look very, very similar. In verse 1, it's just beautiful. He's done it all. There's nothing more to do. And then he moves on in verses 2 and 3. And he expands a little bit upon this. And by the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day. And from all his work which he had done, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it, he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. So now, he tells us it was complete. And he sat back to rest. But just before he rested, he blessed it and sanctified it. He set it apart for us. He, he changed it and, and put us in a spot where it's no longer just another day. It's not just another time. It's just not something, well, I finished it up. That feels pretty good. Take a bit of a break and I'll move on to the next project. But no, instead, he set it aside. He set it apart. He gave us the opportunity to to do the same. And we're going to talk about that as we move on. And and it, it, it speaks to us of the Sabbath. Now, it's an interesting thing because, you see, the Sabbath wasn't actually mentioned until sometime in Exodus. The Sabbath really came apart much later than this time. But the concept is very similar. Sabbath, we sometimes, we most of the time, get confused about things. We... We have a tendency to sift God's word through our experience as opposed to sift our experiences through God's word. So we'll say, well, the Sabbath is Sunday. We talk about it as Sunday. We'll say the Sabbath was celebrated by the Jews and it's a holy and religious day. Well, it was used for that, but that's not necessarily the concept that God was getting at here in this day. He was he was really talking about to cease working, to rest. So the Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word, Shabbat, and that really means to cease work and to rest. It's related to the word seven. Oh, wow, so all of a sudden lots of cool things coming together. It's the seventh day. We eventually, the, the Israelites eventually celebrate this day, the seventh day, as their Sabbath. And, and it's used, the word seven is used in Scripture in many cases for fullness or completion. How many times do we hear the word seven being brought up in Scripture? That's everywhere in the Old Testament, right? The seventh day was the Sabbath. The seventh year was, your, the, right? So the seventh year, you let all the land lie fallow. The, the, the 50th year, so after seven times seven years, it was a year of Jubilee where everything was given back. Everything was, was left alone for a year. They lived on their reserves. 
Every seven years they did that. Seven was very important in the Hebrew life. And God set it all up for that. He started that. Now, that's a beautiful part, right? God started all of this. The Hebrews had kept it going. But then, of course, we're going to talk about where they got off track a little bit in a few places. And it became rather than a day of God, it became a day of rules and and absolutes and and things as they moved on. And in Leviticus 23.3, we really see how the, 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 uh, the Hebrews based the seven and their calendars were on a series of seven, seventh day of the week, Pentecost, seven weeks after the Feast of First Fruits during the seventh month. It was just a fascinating concept that the, the, the Hebrews really looked at seven as a very important part of what they do. I don't think we probably pay that much attention. It's the seventh day, sixth day, fifth day. We just go about our frantic world. There's a great story in, in one of the books I was reading. I was talking about this professor met a, a visiting scientist at the airport and, and they were, and he said, if we hurry, we can catch the next train and we'll save three minutes. And the visiting scientist looked at the professor and said, and do you have some plans for those three minutes that will make or break the world? If not, let's relax and we'll get to the next train. But there's a concept, we rush, rush, rush in everything we do and everywhere we go. And, and what God's trying to paint a picture for us here as he talks about resting on the seventh day is to give us a better perspective. Now, there are actually three different Sabbaths that are described in the Word. It's fascinating stuff. I learned more about the Sabbath and doing this study than I thought existed, certainly far more than I knew. We talk about the personal Sabbath of the Lord God. That's this day. That's the seventh day of creation. It talks about the national Sabbath of Israel, and that's what the Israelites started in Exodus chapter 16. And eventually the spiritual Sabbath of believers, of Christians, those of us that have called upon the name of the Lord, that we have called upon his salvation, recognized our sinfulness in front of him, confessed of that, turned from that, and, and asked him to, to remove that from us. So if we look at these three different Sabbaths, I think it gives us a really great picture Of what's going on. So the personal Sabbath of the Lord God. Why do you think God set up for us to have a day of rest? Because we need it. We need to rest. We need to get revived. That's why we sleep at night. Do you realize that at some level, every night when you go to bed, it's like a Sabbath? It's a period of rest. It's a period of of rebuilding and rejuvenation. How do you feel when you don't do that? Eyes get tired, right? You start to get exhausted. We don't function very effectively in that. Well, God didn't take a day of rest because he needed one. He didn't need to rest on the seventh day, right? God never grows weary or tired. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God is the Lord. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He didn't need to rest. God didn't need to take the seventh day. It wasn't as if, man, I have been working for six whole days. I worked the first six day work week. I need a break. No, he didn't need that. He was preparing us for what he knew we would need. He didn't need to rest. He set this apart. Because his creation was finished. 
And he wanted to put a period at the end of creation. He wanted to put a full stop at the end of the six days. He wanted to say, done. Now, we move on differently. I have created all there is to create. It's now different. And that's the beauty of it. He set that apart. And in Genesis 1.31, he said it was good. No, no, it was very good. I'm very pleased with this and how it ended up. Now, there's some who would say that the rest of God that began on the seventh day, did you notice he didn't, he didn't actually talk about there being a night and a day on the seventh day? There was no morning and evening. Every other day we get that. There are people who believe that God's intent was that time would go on without any blips from that point on. In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, that it would be his rest. But it didn't work. Now, they didn't catch God off hand, right? We know God knew that Adam and Eve would sin. But you, but you have to think that it's possible his desire was that they wouldn't and that they would be in his rest for time on, all to the very, well, there is no end with him. But that didn't happen. And so, so there was a distinction in day seven. There was no mention of evening or morning. There was no record of blessing of the other days. God didn't bless anything in the other days, but he did in the seventh day. And he didn't sanctify anything in the other six days, but he did on the seventh day. This was his day. This day that he, he just took to set apart. And God did so much during those first six days. And he spoke it all into existence, all those things that we see and all those things we experience. He spoke that in, but he sanctified and set aside the last day. Wearsby, who has some great commentaries, made a comment, most people in our world are being crucified between two thieves. The past and the future. We're rush, 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 rush. And when we catch ourselves looking back, looking forward and getting wore out just by doing that. And that we can't enjoy today. We regret yesterday and we worry about tomorrow. Augustine has a beautiful quote. St. Augustine, thou hast made us for thyself and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. God's Sabbath was set up for us. Not because he needed it, because he desired to set it aside and apart. If we go on then to look at the Israelites, the national Sabbath of Israel, turn to Exodus chapter 16. There's a lot of good stuff going on here. So we're going we're gonna to jump right over to Exodus chapter 16. And we're going to learn more about the Sabbath. And when it first started out, and we're looking at verse 23. And they, so, so we know that they're out in the, they're wandering in the wilderness and they don't have anything to eat, but they have manna. And, and Moses is trying to explain to them. And starting in verse 22, now it came about on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, and then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. 
Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to keep until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered and it did not become foul nor was there any worm in it. And Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. And it came about on the seventh day. Guess what? People didn't listen very well. Came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but there wasn't any there. They were surprised and horrified at that. So that's the first part uh, of this. And of course, the Lord says to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instruction? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days and on the sixth, on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people began to rest on the seventh day. What a beautiful picture. See, God knew we couldn't just take on face value that we ought to have a day of rest. He knew he wouldn't do so well with that, right? The people there that saw the manna the first six days, the people that took more the first day because they were afraid that they wouldn't have enough and it all rotted that night, these were the same people that for six days saw the same thing come, realized you couldn't keep it for two days, that then didn't trust God to provide twice as much for the seventh day. We're all the same. We don't change, unfortunately. In Exodus 20... Verses 8 through 11, we, we go on to learn more about this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male, your female servant, your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God wants for us to rest, to relax on the seventh day. It's, it's a fascinating thing because, you see, we, we have a tendency to take the good things that God brought, has brought before us and we, we turn them into bad things. So the, the leaders in the Israelites kept going, right? They took, well, you shouldn't work on the, on, on the seventh day. Well, the whole concept was to rest on the seventh day. And we're going to find out the concept of what God was after here as we, as we close today. But the idea being then that they made it a religious bondage. Remember Jesus when the, the man was on his pallet and it was on the Sabbath and Jesus healed him? What did the leaders do? Did the leaders rejoice in the healing of the man? No. No, the leaders wanted, came against him even more vigorously. What's the story? There's a guy there that has been lame since birth and he's now healed. He's walking around. Why wouldn't you rejoice in that? Why would you sit there and argue about the fact that Jesus did it on the Sabbath? Why did you have, why did they have to be so stubborn? Why do we have to be so stubborn? You know, that's the best part of it. I love reading about all the wrong things the Pharisees and the Sadducees did until I realize that I'm probably worse. And it brings back to my heart the recognition that, that I have done probably more that would, have, that would have saddened God. In Exodus 23, verses 10 through 13, he's talking about sowing the land. So, so we talked about, to start with, setting aside the people, 
right? So, so in, in, in uh, the, the fourth commandment, he talked about setting aside the people, give, you shouldn't work. You should worship your creator, not the creation. And then in chapter 23, verses 10 through 13, he goes on to talk about the land now that God has created. In verse 10, and you shall sow your land for six years and gather in its yield. But on the seventh year, you shall let it rest and lie fallow so that the needy of your people may eat. And whatever they leave, the beast of the field may eat. You are to do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor in order that your ox and your donkey may rest and the son of your female slave as well as your stranger may refresh themselves. Now concerning everything which I have said to you, be on your guard and do not mention the name of other gods, nor let them be heard from your mouth. What a, what a great sign. So God knew so many things about, about what we needed to do. Now, I grew up on a farm, so I understand the whole concept of letting things lie fallow. We grew up in the, the desert of northern Montana. We joke about that, but we actually get less precipitation where we grew up than what is considered in a desert. We had under 10 inches of precipitation a year. That means we can't grow crops on our land every year. doesn't work. If you do that, you slowly decimate the land and you'll get nothing. And so we grow crops every other year. So we allow the land to lie fallow every other year because it conserves the moisture in the soil so that the next year when you plant, you can grow a crop because we don't get enough each year to grow a crop. It's a beautiful picture that God has put together for us here in the concept of allowing things to be refreshed, allowing things to rest, allowing things to relax. In Exodus 31 is a beautiful picture of, of the Sabbath in verses 12 through 17. See, we got stuck on the Sabbath as being something we could do, right? The Israelites were getting into that point, and God realized that. And he says to them in verse 12, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work in on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest. Rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall surely be put to death. To the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath, to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations, as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. He was refreshed. I love that last line. That whole concept that we, we are to be refreshed. So it gets us to a struggle. So we know that the leaders turned the Sabbath into a, a, a day of bondage almost, of holy bondage. So what does that look like today? Hmm. Will we pick up our chairs when we're done? could construe that as work. People that made the coffee this morning, you could look at that as work. The worship team probably got here pretty early this morning. And, and while when we were worshiping, I don't think you could con- consider that work. But before that could be a little bit dicey. Perhaps they were working this morning and doing that. What, is it, what does it look like? And I think those are the things that we see in Mark. So if we move into the New Testament and look at Mark 2.27... Mark gives us a great picture of of the Sabbath. And I think it's something that's very important for us to say. And Christ was saying to them, and he said, The Sabbath was made for man and not the man for the Sabbath. 
Consequently, the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. There's a picture for us as we move now and we start to look at the, the Sabbath of the believer, we see some changes. God put some very definitive things in place in the Old Testament. He was setting people up to understand you can't achieve holiness. You can try, but you're not going to make it. I'm going to make the, the, the bar so high, you'll never hit it. And then he brought his son because he knew that we couldn't make it. So as we look at the spiritual Sabbath of the Christian believer, it starts to change now. We're no longer under the bondage of the law. In Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. In Mark, he tells us the Sabbath was made for us, for man, not man for the Sabbath. I can be Lord on the Sabbath too. I can heal people on the Sabbath. You can get up early on the Sabbath. It's okay. You can do things. The concept is not one of legalities. The concept is one of heart. Where's your heart in this? Are you being refreshed? But more importantly, I'm going to argue, are you using this day to focus on God? Are you using this day to focus on God? In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we have a lot of information that talks about the Sabbath and what it looks like. And, and he talks about God's creation rest. So verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, talks about the creation rest. That was God. He rested on the seventh day. And he went on to talk about, in verse 8, Israel's Canaan rest. So, so Israel, when it went into the promised land, didn't come into the rest. And the whole purpose of the writer of Hebrews is to proclaim that God's rest is waiting for all of us in heaven. That's when we're really, truly going to rest. That's what it looked like on day seven of creation. If you look forward, the concept was what we're going to see at day of salvation, the day when we are with the Lord, when we meet him in heaven. Then, then it will be the rest. Then it will be completely, all the time, focusing on God. We will be refreshed by that. We will be, we'll be energized by that. That's what the rest is going to look like. So we're supposed to take one day a week and do a mini version of it. We're supposed to imagine what it would be like. We're supposed to be focused on what the, our rest will be like. And when we gather together, we do that. You watch, if you, if you have any doubts about it, watch you guys, watch over this group on the greeting time. Just watch. Just the love of God coming out of people and to other people and people have their arms around people, people asking people how they're doing, praying for people. That's a, just the mini version of what we're going to do in heaven when we're, when we're resting all the time. But now, the Sabbath day has changed. This is a lot of controversy associated with this and the idea behind it. So, so as we, we look at this, the, the people in the New Testament, in the Acts Church, they were meeting daily. They would meet daily to break bread, spend time together, but they would gather weekly as well on the day of the Lord, the first day of the week. So we know that the Israelites in the Old Testament, their Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. We know that the 
that the Sabbath that was celebrated by the believers or this day of the Lord, if you will, because they actually called it different than the Sabbath to distinguish themselves, was on the first day of the week. So if we look at the Sabbath and, and compare day seven versus day one, there's some really interesting things out there that, that I found that were, were brought out. So in the first covenant, God said, work six, rest on the seventh. Be refreshed. Be encouraged. Devote this day to me. Work six days, rest on the seventh. The concept of the, that, that was brought up about the, the new covenant and the Christian Sabbath, if you will, being on the first day, is first, believe in Christ. You'll find rest in that and then go out, right? It's the whole idea of, of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Salvation is not by works. And what a beautiful concept that is. And what a pretty picture. Now, we're probably not going to solve whether Saturday or Sunday are the appropriate Sabbath. There are arguments on both sides of the fence on this one. And the Bible in the New Testament is not clear because it doesn't call the day of the first day of the week a Sabbath. It calls it the day of the Lord. So theoretically, we could say today is the day of the Lord. We can treat it the same. It's the same concept. In fact, is it's probably more accurate, if you will, in its description. Shabbat does not mean holy day. It means day of rest. Rest. The day of the Lord brings a whole new meaning to it. This is now a day devoted to the Lord. It's a better picture for us and one I, I would encourage us to look at. But as it says in Colossians two sixteen and 17, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. We need to be careful that we do not get caught up in saying, well, because you celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday, you're wrong. Same as you celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday, you're wrong. The concept here is, do you give the time to the Lord? God's Spirit allows us to, to, to take the whole week, right? We, we, <laughs> it's so funny. We bicker about one day. Should it be Saturday or should it be Sunday? It ought to be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every single day. What day can't you get up and praise the Lord and worship? You got a radio? You have a shower? Right? What day can't you worship God? What day can't you worship Him in song? What day can't you worship Him in reading His Word and studying? What day can't you worship the Lord in fellowship? Does it mean six days a week you have to turn your back on Him? So that the one day looks better? No. No, the concept is it's hard to completely devote your life to God six days a week. But it's not impossible to devote your life to God, at least in portions, all the time. So what does it mean? This was a line that I thought was great. James Dixon wrote in his book, Genesis Expository Thoughts. God's rest was not the end of an activity but rather a beginning of a different activity, that of interaction and fellowship with his creation. So when God rested, he didn't stop working. He changed his operations. He brought it to a completion. The creation is done, finished. Throw away the mold. I don't need it anymore. Now, Now I can get about doing what really matters to me. I mean, think about it. 
what do you think mattered most to God? This big creation that he made or us? Don't you know that you can tell what's important to people? You look at where they put their time. How much time did God put into creation? Six measly days. How many years has he put into us? Which do you think is more important to him? The creation was just somewhere to put us. He created the heavens and the earth so we'd have somewhere to live. It's just that. It's like a shack to him. This beautiful creation that we look at, that we are enthralled with, it's a shack because it's not about the creation to him. It's about us. So six days he devoted to the creation, 10,000 years he's devoted to us. That tells me where his heart is and what he wants. Now, what's our response? Dixon goes on to say, our rest, our day as we set it aside, therefore, should look the same. Not a cessation of activity. We don't stop doing everything necessarily, but rather an interaction and fellowship with our Creator with undivided attention. Might I encourage you as you go from here and you look at God's day of rest as the seventh day, the Sabbath of Israel, and the day of the Lord that we celebrate as believers, might I encourage you to spend this time with undivided attention and devotion to your Creator. Because He has set aside every day since day six for His undying devotion to us. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for You and Your Word and Your truth. I I just appreciate so much that You have given us Your Word to study that you have put a burden in our hearts to seek after you because you first called us. Lord, would you help us to really, really engage you on these days and every day. Lord, thank you for your truth. Thank you for the chance to worship you in song. I look so forward to worship you here in prayer and sharing. And we just ask that you would continue to change us and mold us in the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.